0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the NPL Victoria Pod here on FNR Football Nation Radio. Nick Debano and Lockie Flanagan here in the studio to review the final game of the NPL season in the men's competition. Of course, we'll have the, the women's review of the grand final on Radio Dub this week as well. But myself and Lockie are here today Blue. to review the, the smash, the smashing, the demolition job, whatever you want to call it. Throw in the any shock. sort of... The shock of the century? The stunner. Yep,
1: yeah, the, the stone-cold stunner. The
0: stone-cold stunner from the Oakley Cannons. Five, yes, a manita of the o- <laughs> of South Melbourne. A 5-0 win at the Olympic Village on Sunday night. Uh, we'll, we'll be reviewing the entire game, obviously, uh, for those watching at the moment. Sorry we didn't give too much notice in terms of a live slot. We've had to do some manoeuvring around in the studio, and obviously we've got to head down to Oakley tonight for their next yes. game. In the Australia Cup against MacArthur. And we couldn't bring you the game last night, of course, because we were down at uh, CB Smith Reserve for the Melbourne Victory Pasco Vale friendly. Um, The 6-0 drubbing. But uh, we're here. Nonetheless. We can only
1: record one thing at once. Yeah, it's there's only two of us. Unless, well, we can re- record two voices at once, but yeah. not two programs. That yeah,
0: it would have been a bit much.
1: But that is a stretch.
0: Yeah, and of course, uh, today we were joined a little bit earlier. Today we didn't want to disrupt with his preparation a little bit much. That's why we did doing it a little bit earlier. We had Oliver Kubale on the show from the Oakley cannons their star midfielder, who chatted to us a little bit earlier on in the afternoon ahead of tonight's game. Reviewed. Sunday's game as well. Um, a lot of exciting things in the Oakley camp right now. Not just winning the championship, but the opportunity to play in an All MPL Grand Final. We'll also touch on the coaching merry-go-round, some mm. rumors, some news from uh, our very own Josh Parish, who broke, what he broke on Twitter the yesterday the
1: newsbreaker. Yes, I didn't know there a, could be such a scoops, thing.
0: scoops, scoops Parish uh, dropping in uh, a his par- a Parish bomb yesterday on Twitter. regards to a high-profile coach heading down south to coach Melbourne Knights. And we'll touch on some of the transfer rumours that have been swirling around as we head in towards the silly season. And they have
1: been a swirling.
0: Oh, yes, they have. They have. So uh, let's get into the review, Lockie, before we go and uh, play our chat with Oliver. And let's talk about Sunday night. Uh, Mm. It wasn't just drenching. It wasn't just a drenching. It wasn't just uh, bucketing down Mm. with the rain. It was bucketing goals in South Melbourne's net because Oakley... Just kicked South Melbourne right where it hurts, 5-0. Two goals to Aaron Williams, one to Joe Guest, one to Chris Lucas, and one to Wade Decker. That's all. Yeah, that was it. That sounds right. Yep. I It feels like there were so many, just hard to remember. But uh, of course, Aaron Williams, uh, best on ground, winning the Bill. Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy Rooney. Why was he thinking, thinking Bill Dempsey? Uh, Bill, the, Courtney Dempsey. G- Courtney uh, Dempsey. The Jimmy Rooney medal uh, for best of field for his two goals. Uh, really, both. Uh, clean sheet as well. Yeah, and of course, a clean sheet down the other end. But it was a, a smashing Lockie. What did you take out of the evening? A good crowd at the village? Uh, they braved the conditions?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess that, that that's probably something we, we should quickly touch on. I mean, since last time we recorded an episode of this podcast, Nick, we weren't expecting it at that time, at Ooh. the the advent of our previous episode for this grand final to be played at Olympic Village. Of course, in the end, um, you know, Football Victoria uh, responded to the, the prevailing... Sentiment, uh, maybe listen to what we had to say on the podcast. I don't know uh, who knows, probably not, but anyway, uh, we we pushed the about Are we the
0: influencers, Lockie?
1: The NPL Victoria influence was influencers, not a like a
0: TikTok influencer, but we the guys that are pulling the strings. Lockie.
1: Well, I don't know because I've got some skincare products off camera that I'd be happy to show you guys. Uh, if you look, yep. use the code Lockie20 as well, yes. you can get no, nah, well, I'm course. kidding, yep. I'm kidding. Um, but anyway, I, I credit to Football Victoria for, um you know, uh, recognising, uh, you know, the prevailing sentiment, what was out there, and making the, the, the change of venue. And while not a perfect solution um, in terms of the the spacing of the, the two games and everything, uh, I thought particularly, even before a ball was kicked, Olympic Village looked and sounded very, very good, mm. uh, and that was in spite of, Really, really tough conditions. It was pouring oh, yeah, for pretty you're, much you're the hour. Me. The hour before kickoff, <laughs> uh, the hour before kickoff, during the game as well. It was it was on and off, and pretty much everyone except for a couple of people. Um, and for podcast listeners, <laughs> I'm gesturing towards Nick because he was stuck out in the rain. Oh yeah, I'll uh, tell you about that. The, bit later. the 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 grandstand was absolutely absolutely yeah. pumping. Well, um,
0: how many uh, we heard? Twenty eight hundred people. Yes. Yep. Yeah, which, which is,
1: it seemed it seemed like more than but that. But I guess to be it was because you. everyone
0: was packed into the grandstand, mm. but at the same time it, it felt like there was more, but I reckon like if it didn't rain, you probably could have gotten another 1000 people that might have yeah. come in and, and and spread out around sort of the, the sides, been up on the hill,
1: uh, uh, on the far Absolutely. side and
0: and behind the goals at the other end and even behind where the broadcast was in the pavilion yes, too. Yes, in
1: the in the, pav- the sort of undercover pavilion area. So that 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 set the scene for it did feel like a a, a grand occasion yeah. in many respects, and as I said, the uh, the grandstand was pumping. Unfortunately, for South Melbourne, it wasn't the only pumping of the evening. As uh, Oakley, God, I mean, it was a, it, it was a shock. Oh, absolutely, it was a shock. See, and I, th- I think I think Oakley would, it, even Oakley would admit that not the result, but the nature of the yeah. ro- result was was stunning.
0: We hypothesised on the show last week that, of course, Oakley would go in and probably go in with a real chance to win this game. And I I, this is, this yeah, is the and, thing. I think they and, have
1: officially yeah. reached the point where even as no one record saw, yeah. in advance of the Australia cup this evening, you just can't write them off. Yeah, you, you absolutely. Cannot, you cannot with this, any certainty predict against them at this point. This team showed. And when the
0: lineups came out on Sunday, why they are probably right now because of South Melbourne's absentees. And we'll talk about that in just a sec. Why that lineup is the most complete lineup out of all in MPL Victoria. Uh, We spoke about last week, we were talking about their attack and about how damaging they can be when they get on the front foot and God, they were deadly going forward, especially in the second half when the game really opened up because after Aaron Williams scored inside the first minute, it it became a bit of an arm wrestle in the middle of the park Um, and Oakley only really started to kick ahead when it became 2-0 and South started going for it and they were really able to hurt them and it looked like every time they went forward, they were going to score. Mm. The thing that got me... In this game, the one thing let's, let's let's start from the top about South Melbourne. They opted, and I think they had to, to start jying him in this game with Andy Brennan missing. They brought Morgan Evans in for Ben Jeeba. I think yeah. they were they were the rights the right changes they needed to make. Yeah, fair call. But South Melbourne's strategy, of course, that we've spoken about at length, has been to score numbers behind the ball and choke out the opposition by sheer force and, and sheer just being a wall and a, a navy blue wall that's impossible to break down. But once Aaron Williams scored inside the first minute, the script was completely flipped. And there was South were forced to chase a game. And we spoke about last week, how many times of South really had to chase a game this year? Yeah, And Oakley, to their credit, they defended brilliantly. They didn't allow South to get forward. And I think that is in part, and I think that the one thing that we have to remember is this South Melbourne team was not the same South Melbourne team that we have seen because, you know, Harry Sawyer departing Andy Brennan missing as well. They do miss some firepower, but at the same time, the game style of Esteban Quintas in terms of that um, defensive brand and that you know sort of thrives off playing off the break, you know thrives of taking off that taking that early lead. They were forced into a very uncomfortable position, and Oakley, mate, they they thrived in that situation, mm-hmm. and then it all got compounded once that injury happened to Max Mickler just before halftime, and then you knew at that point it is going to take a Herculean effort from South Melbourne to win this game, not only because what Max Mickler can do with his feet, but also it looked like at one point the only way maybe South Melbourne might get this might be from a set piece or a long throw.
1: Yeah. I'm you been, even all the gloves, like, the transfer it, of the it, gloves. It, even then, I actually think the conditions also played a really significant factor in, in the blow-by-blow of this game. And you talk about the gloves being brought out for Max Mickler um, Midway through the game, about what ten fifteen minutes in, because he mm. just wasn't able to get the same purchase with with his long throws because of how torrential the rain was, and it's quite alarming in in, in a way that, like obviously, if you just if he just wants gloves and if it's going to help him, like I, mm. I, I get it, but that that element of the game plan is so important that they had to bring gloves out that they had to bring gloves out and also that a method of play or a method of attack uh, hinges upon the conditions being right and not being raining too much so it's, it's a game can of get football. maximum meterage it's, it's, on the front game yeah it, it, rather than try and give him the skills to do that better with you know Travis cloak gloves um maybe just be like, okay, it's pouring down with rain. Um, This is not going to work for us. Mm. And I do think that the conditions not only perhaps work to the detriment of South, but also work to the advantage of Oakley. Because I think about the last time uh, Oakley beat South Melbourne in the league... It was raining. It was Easter Monday at Jack Edwards, and it was raining throughout the weekend. It was a wet day. There'd been quite a lot of water, and there was intermittent rain. Not as heavy yeah. as, as we saw on Sunday, but definitely rain throughout the game. And funnily enough, the conditions actually really helped Oakley because they're they're so good at crossing the ball and making really sharp, incisive, whipped balls that – are very hard to deal with for any defense, mm. but that's almost like their biggest strength, like the, the the pinpoint crosses of Joe Knowles, the way he's able to, you know, we, we, it's like almost it, his yeah. trademark, the way he sort of fizzes them across the surface, like little, you know, like <laughs> skimming stones or something. Yeah. And the minute that rain was so prevalent, I was like, I wonder if that works to Oakley's advantage. And I do think we saw that come to the fore. A lot of chances that Oakley had, either they were able to create them because those little whipped-in crosses were so hard to deal with, Mm. or because they were fired in so directly, the South Melbourne defence have to just knock them away for a clearance and that gave Oakley a lot of opportunities from the set piece, which eventually, well, within a minute of the game commencing and then a minute of the second half commencing, they were able to profit. So I do think that's something, while not taking anything away from the, the success of Oakley's performance, that did really factor into this contest mm. but at the end of the day you do at, at an NPL level especially where pitchers have variants you're more exposed to the elements you do have to have a capacity to adjust to the circumstances that are around you and be reactive mm. and I think on the day um I think Oakley did a better job of that
0: yeah absolutely and I think they 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 weathered the conditions perfectly no pun intended and they were able to really hurt south especially on the counter-attack and the one thing that I noticed in particular was that when South went to a back three in the second half and they they brought Josh Wallen on for Max Mikkela, it was 1-0 at the time. They stuck with the 4-2-3-1 at that point. They went down 2-0. They went to a back three. They tried to chase the game a bit more. They went Almazi, which I think, honestly, I know they've barely played a back three all year, but they probably should have played a back three, I think, for most of the year. If you're going to play Almazi, Yankovic, and Marshall... I think it better suited to go with that because what you lose if South have to have the ball when Almazi's playing as in a double pivot is that you lose that extra ball carrier and someone who can pick out those passes and and someone who's not just so defensively minded. It's not taking anything away from Liram Almazie. I think he's a great defender. But I think in a back throw, he'd be better suited. But funnily enough, the game really opened up because of what was in front of them. Because they had Josh Wallen, Marcus Schroen playing in there with, I think it was... Oh, who was still on at the time? He said Alan Webb and Jay-ing him up top, Norton and uh, Evans at wing back, and there was someone else. Well, who am I missing? Midfield. Pat Langla. Oh, so Langla and Irwin or Wallen were kind of screening. Schroem was sitting in there as well, but the game really opened up and Joe Guest was just having his own way. And then once they scored that goal, that, that third goal, the penalty, the red card, everything was just symptomatic of what had been. Such oh, a it was over. It was point. over and it was, you know, Yankovic getting sent off in frustration and everything just fell apart. And the frustration was seeping through not only for the South Melbourne players, but for Esteban Quintas. I mean, you said it Lockie, I was out in the rain, I was right next to both Chris Taylor and Esteban Quintas's bench, actually positioned closer to the South Melbourne bench. Esteban Quintas was very, very animated all game, counting the free kicks that they were they were quote-unquote, not getting or getting or going against them. And in the year of the fourth official, Adam Bavka, Um, you know, he was not happy with what mm. was going on out there. And in the end, I mean, South Melbourne just got absolutely torn to pieces and they faced an interesting off-season, Lockie. While Oakley, I mean, South Melbourne have had a... Uh, look, let, let's to so, so look at South Melbourne's season as a whole. They've had a great season. They've won the premiership. They've got back to finals, which is what South Melbourne should be at. This is a team that should be playing finals football, a team that should be right at the top of MPL Victoria, a team that, I mean, when a national second division comes around, they're going to be right in it. They're, they're, a, they're one of the most successful teams in Australian football history. But there are a lot of question marks going into the off season in regards to what comes next, because... I said this on TNC that I do feel like the gap between – as much as they won the premiership so convincingly, the gap between them and, say, you know, Port Melbourne, Oakley, everyone else, it really wasn't as big as what the table suggested. Now they've lost Harry Sawyer, they have to replace him with – I mean, replacing Harry Sawyer is almost an impossible task. They're going to have to look at, you know, bringing in some more attackers, I think, next season as well. They're probably going to have... There's going to be some of their players I think will get some interest. We spoke about Max Mickler, and I I want to go back to that Max Mickler injury in just a second, but Max Mickler I think will get some interest from some A-League men's clubs. We saw what happened with Henry Hoare after a good half-season at South Melbourne. I mean, you know, there's going to be more of those questions because they're going to have to improve. They're going to have to bolster in certain areas because if they run it back with the same team, is that going to be enough for them to go back-to-back and win another premiership? Because... Even though Oakley are losing Joe Knowles, they're probably going to load up with another attacker that's going to take them to another level, which we'll talk about a bit later, about some of the rumors swirling around. Avondale are going to improve. Port Melbourne are going to improve. You can expect Bentley to load up. You can expect Heidelberg to load up. You can expect a lot of these... Green Gully. A lot of these teams are going to be chasing South Melbourne and be wanting to close that gap. And South, right now going into the offseason, they're going to have to find particularly a striker that's going to have a similar sort of gravitas to what Henry Sawyer was providing. Because... He was not only drawing defenders away with his sheer physicality; he had pace. He was a focal point up top. I've got to apologise to you, Lockie, for really underestimating how big of a loss he was going to be when he departed. I thought they will be okay, but they they really weren't the same after Harry Sawyer left. And we well, because... saw we, we saw Josh Bingham as well, re-signed at Hume City. He would have probably been someone I think South would have been looking at. Mm. But who can fill that hole? Because there aren't many strikers in MPL circles that can be a Harry Sawyer type at South Melbourne, especially yeah. if they want to play that way. And because,
1: ha- yeah, how I mean, how much adjustment since the departure of Sawyer really did happen from a, an approach perspective? I mean, was, was there a, a, a great deal in what you saw? There was a little bit. I mean, they tried to be sort of a bit more nimble and, and mobile going forward, but for the most part... Uh, was a lot about sticking to their strengths which is the structure and solidity of that defense but again it kind of goes back to the it kind of goes back to the conditions thing and the the way in which south chose to respond to what happened on the day i think is a is, is a a wider criticism that you can or a potential knock that you can label on, on South this this kind of season. Because mm-hmm. obviously everyone wants to play in a certain way and has a certain plan. Some are more effective than others. South this season, theirs has been very effective. No, no surprise. they were They were the best team over the course of the season. They have played this way for a reason, and the reason is that they have achieved results playing in that fashion. But you can't always anticipate that everything that you plan for is going to go exactly as intended exactly and in the same way that perhaps perhaps they didn't respond to the changing of conditions in the right way how much have they adapted to the absence of Harrison Sawyer how much did they how much really changed in what they were trying to do or how much could change because of what they've practiced the kind of players they have at their disposal once they went behind, that just felt like it kind of felt like they hadn't countenanced the the possibility of going behind mm. really early and first in and this game. That's what it felt like. What was really and they didn't have a heap of response. Yeah. Of course, it's worth mentioning that at halftime, it was only 1-0. And the one of the big things, um, particularly that South fans have been talking about after that point, was the substitution of Max Mickler.
0: Do you think it was a red card to Joe Knowles or it should have been a red card to Joe Knowles in that moment? Because from first... I
1: actually... I, I want
0: to... Look, if you've got it in front of you, I'd love to see it again if I possible. do. Now... It's rock and rolling. We're going to watch it live here on our stream. Now, it looks like quite a... So what Was it Joe Knowles? I think it's. I think it might be Oscar Dillon. Was it Oscar Dillon? Because I remember someone saying it was, should have been Joe Knowles that was sent off. So, okay. Playing devil's advocate, go back, it's Oscar Oscar Dillon. Um, now look, the elbow is up. Mm. Max Mickler was writhing in pain. Now, is it accidental? I don't know if there's any malice in it. I yeah, know that they, I there were a lot of heavy
1: challenges in the first half, but it it is tough. It is really tough. See, uh, looking at it in this sort of slow motion... Thanks uh, uh, to
0: SMFC Mike for this.
1: Yes, for for posting the replay on Twitter. Um, I think the reason—do I think it's a red card? Um, possibly not. I don't think I don't think his intention was to so hurt to Max rub McLeod, Miklo yeah. out of 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 the game. I think you kind of see him attempt to contest, and he's using his body or whatever part mm-hmm. of his body he can to kind of get the front position. And you know, I think he does that with the aid of a, an arm that strikes Mickler across the fray, face. So I think the fact that it went without whistle, I think, is is sort of the bigger part that I, I take issue with. Whether or not it's a red card, um, I think that's more open to interpretation. Yeah. But the fact that it wasn't a whistle, as with the, um, and this is sort of why I have sympathy for South Melbourne because they have been on the wrong end of a couple of decisions recently, mm. um, as with the the giba tackle Benji that Bataqua, went without yeah. whistle. That's the real. Bone of contention here. I think the perhaps the reason why it happened is because if you look at it on the slow motion, Mikula's reaction to what is clearly contact is slightly delayed of his landing well, on the ground, like, yeah, and is, so I wonder yeah. if maybe Lockie Kievers is thinking with the angle that he has that perhaps you know, Mikula is, is is playing up the the incident, but. Playing up well, the incident, yeah, playing that's, up an that, incident that that isn't actually yeah, yeah sure. uh, exactly. And playing up the incident isn't necessarily wrong, or it shouldn't factor into the actual decision made. If there is contact there and it's a legal contact, it's, regardless yeah. of whether a player does eight rolls on the ground or reacts like nothing touched them because yeah. they're Vinnie Jones. Um, it's still, a f- yeah. it's still, a even if it, it's still, no, yeah, hit.
0: literally reacted. Like, you know, when back in the days of WWF and Hulk Hogan used to get punched and used to go, come on, hit me again. Yeah. Like or when they, thing, they, you know? they, get the celebrities yeah. on to like, yeah. you know, take yeah. a punch yeah. or yeah, and you know, they just don't move. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, or they have to give a punch yeah, and some it's, look, has to try to and To be honest, it.
0: like not trying to, you know, you know, you know, put this in a light way in terms of Max Mikkel or, you know, his, his injury or whatever else. But I mean, it was a big blow for South Melbourne. Him going down was a was another massive blow because losing Mikola, Sawyer before the game well obviously weeks before, before the that, finals yeah you know Andy Brennan, another attacking option being out Benjiba going down. I mean, I think Morgan Evans did what he could. he'd barely played all season but did what he could Jaingham coming in who Giingham's barely played this season, which was for me is very surprising that we've barely seen Jaingham this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I some expect people, him to play a big role this season. Sure. I guess some people could make the counter argument that perhaps what we saw on Sunday goes some way to explaining why we haven't seen regular sure, 90 yeah. minutes from from Jai Ingham this season. I mean, he didn't have a full pre season with South Melbourne under his, his belt necessarily. Um, I remember at, at the start of the year, he was on the way to, to Gold Coast Knights, if my memory mm-hmm. serves me correctly. Yeah. Um, so maybe there were maybe there were fitness concerns there, and that's why I saw him as an impact player. Mind you, a very effective impact player, yeah. um, but I don't know. Other than a few moments, I don't think he really had the impact that mm-hmm. anyone would have hoped or expected I- in this game. And while I do think that the Mikola absence piled up with all the other injuries that you've mentioned to first team players. Uh, again, devil's advocate point would be to mention the amount of injuries Oakley have had yes, this season. Sure. But also I don't think that if we're just looking at the Mikela absence on its merits, I, I does Max Mikela stop the other four goals that come in the same Yeah, half? sure. Like sure. I, 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 well, I did have to chase the game. It bit could more have, it well, could have given know. them a, a a route back into the contest, but Max Mickler doesn't have much to do about two set pieces early into both halves that that South concede. He can't absolutely. do a lot about that. Can he help to give them a route back into the contest? Yeah, absolutely. But he it doesn't necessarily explain yeah. or fix or solve what happened in that second half. And South had a bit more control in the opening forty-five, but did they really? Muster that many efforts? Not really. When they were trying really. to chase they had a few the lead, it was still so competitive. But, but,
0: but not really. And This is where we got to give Oakley credit. They defended brilliantly all game, you know, as a, as a unit. I mean, the, the form of Pantesopoulos, Dylan, Aaron Williams, Matt Fischini, brilliant One smart thing about Matt. Matt small thing about Matt Faschini. One thing I loved, I think, it was after the fourth or the third goal, he did the uh, the, the CM Punk, Steph Curry
2: go to sleep oh, to, the, uh, to the to the to the
0: South He did. Band. He did promise. He did he said, promise he, that he would do fireworks. That. And uh, he delivered in spades. And of course, how deadly they were going forward. Chris Lucas, Joe Knowles, brilliant. Joe Guest, also sensational. The work of Daniel Clark, and of course, Holmes and Kubelet in midfield. But Joe Knowles as well, battling through, you know, being kicked about. You know, he was really targeted, but he did brilliantly all game. It was great to see him back in the starting lineup performing at that level. Um, Lockie, before we go to the chat with Oliver Kubelet, um, I think it's going to be an interesting sort of situation now to see I guess what happens with Oakley. I mean, we may as well touch on the transfer rumor now before we get to Oliver Kubernetes and of course we, we are running out of time, so we'll get to the Oliver Couboulet chat just in a sec. But um Stefan Valentini is the is the name that's been linked on Twitter circles. We don't know anything about it, about you know whether you know, we can't confirm whether the deal is going to happen just yet. But, of course, with Joe Knowles departing and joining Brisbane Raw, Stefan Valentini coming in to Oakley is one hell of a pickup should that move eventuate. We're just mm. going off the rumour mills at the moment. But, my God, a very, very good recruiting there from Oakley. Just bring in, you know, a former Golden Boot winner in to replace someone like Joe Knowles.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, Valentini hasn't had the, well, Avondale as a whole haven't had the season that they would have liked this year other than the the sort of... Australia Cup efforts aside, obviously Valentini in particular battled with some, you know, nasty mm. sort of knee troubles and and that sort of thing. But we know how good a fully fit Stefan Valentini is. We know how good a fully fit Stefan Valentini can be. Mm. And if he gets a, a nice rest this off season, even when he was involved this year, limited though it was, he still did damage. And oh, absolutely. Yeah, if Oakley get the player that he was in 2021 where he was getting trials with Perth Glory off the back of his exploits in a condensed season, well then Oakley are really going to say goodbye to Joe Knowles, welcome someone in potentially without without missing much of a much of a step and look it works with it works for Valentini as well. He he wants to he wants to win titles, he wants to win championships and yeah. I think Oakley I wouldn't be surprised if if they if they keep the nexus, if this squad can can push on to so to something greater, things, but yeah, yeah, my um my mail that that is just sort of a a rumor that we've seen floating around, but I I wonder if Stefan Valentini might be um. He might not be the only one on the way out at, uh, mm. at Avondale. At Avondale. Well, they've got such I've a heard. stacked lineup.
0: And, I mean, there's going to be players looking to make the move and looking for, for more successes. I mean, not knocking Avondale. But, but again, these are all just, yeah, absolutely. All just things so that we've heard. We'll wait and see. We'll be all over the silly season stuff uh, this off season. But, Lockie, let's take a short break. We caught up with Oliver Kubelay a little bit earlier today. Here's what he had to say on the other side of this on the MPL Victoria Pod. Welcome back to the MPL Victoria Pod here on FNR Football Nation Radio. Nick Tabano and Lockie Flanagan here doing a full review of Sunday's grand final. Oakley Cannons champions of the 2022 MPL men's Victoria season, a 5 0 thumping against yeah. South Melbourne. And we're lucky enough now to be joined by one of the players who played a starring role in their run to the championship and he's gearing up for another massive game tonight against MacArthur in the Australia Cup. That is Oliver Kubale. Oliver, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having us, guys.
0: Well, Ollie, uh, take us through Sunday. Congratulations again. I mean, an amazing day and an amazing night. and uh, I guess not An really amazing or, season, really. Yeah, really. And, I mean, an amazing run to the finals. I guess take us through all the emotions of Sunday.
2: Yeah, it was it was pretty surreal. I mean, with the way it happened, um, we were just yeah happy that it was obviously ended in a win, um, ninety minutes, and then we kind of had a had a good night celebrating, but kind of focused towards tonight's game as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there was a real sense of disbelief. Not not of the fact that Oakley were victorious because we, we've learned not to count you out over the course of this season, but just I think the magnitude of the results stunned a lot of people who were at the ground. Was it a, a surprise for for the Cannon side? I mean, obviously you're expecting a challenge up against South Melbourne. You guys know you can beat them, but 5-0 is, is, is a real statement, especially the way you guys won it, which was so convincing.
2: Yeah, it was pretty crazy. I mean... I'm not sure many people would have picked that but um, I felt the the weeks building up to the game we had some massive games in the cup where we got back through against the wall and we kind of pushed through that and got the win and it was kind of moments like that that, that made us feel really confident going into the final um, but yeah, to top it off like that, couldn't pick it.
0: Was there a moment in the game, Ollie, where you sort of felt like you guys were getting on top? I mean, you took the lead so early, but it was tight in that first half. In the second half, you really just blitzed them. Was there a moment in the game we started to think, all right, we can really put these guys to the sword and kick away? Because. I don't think anyone's been able to put more than maybe two or three goals past South Melbourne in one particular game. I think only Avondale put three past them in a game that South and then, still won. And then lost that yeah, day. but to put five past a team that has been such a hard team to break down this year—like, was there a moment when you sort of went, all right, we, we can really hurt these guys"?
2: Yeah, I felt um, like coming into halftime, all the boys were obviously happy, but we felt we had a lot more to give in terms of um, you know lifting the ante a little bit. So. When we came out and scored straight away in the second half again, I felt like, you know, we were going to be really hard to stop. Um, they had a couple of, you know, half chances and okay chances, but nothing too much. Whereas, we you know, going forward, we're always going to create many chances and then it just depends on the day if we can put them in the back of the net. Mm. And obviously one of the important
1: elements of any goal scoring or high goal scoring performance is the, is the work that you guys are all doing in the midfield. And it is a, a star-studded midfielder, you know, Joe Guest, Tyson Holmes and and yourself, how much do you enjoy playing in that midfield 3 and and how much do you feel like that uh that control of the midfield in that game which I think you had really contributed to to what happened on Sunday.
2: Yeah, I mean playing with those two, you can't really ask for much better than that. Um I've learned a lot playing in there with with Tyson Guesty and they've obviously done a lot for the game here in Victoria. Um but yeah, when we when we're on and we we feel like we've got a good connection, I mean were pretty hard to stop.
1: Mm, exactly. And look, you, you're playing, as you said, in, in some esteemed company, two players who have had a big impact on Victorian football, two former gold medalists. Do you feel pressure in that sort of environment? Like, ah, oh, these are two gold medalists. I've got to you know, put in some gold medal quality as well. Do you feel like you're not getting enough credit when you're behind those two who make all the uh, attacking headlines?
2: <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not too worried about, um, credit. I know, if, um, you know, personally, if I've had a good game or not, and, um, I just want to keep up the standard because I know they're going to be keeping the standards up as well.
0: Ollie, in terms of your own season, you've really come in leaps and bounds this year and taken that next step, particularly in the latter part of the season where you've had to fill in 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 centre-back as well when um, Oscar Dillon went down and you had to play alongside Aaron in the heart of defence. How have you seen your season, not only playing as a midfielder, but also showcasing that versatility to have to play a little bit more defensive?
2: Yeah, um, playing a bit defensive probably is, not something I've ever done before. So it was a bit of a, a different experience, but one that I was happy to do. Um, and obviously, yeah, I try to keep a high standard. I know there's been some games um, myself where I'll come off and um, think I haven't done as well as I should have. Um, but I think it's been a little bit more consistent this year and especially yeah, towards the latter part of the season.
1: Well, on the the subject of, of high standards, someone who more often than not I would imagine is setting those for you each and every week is... Uh, is CT and he certainly hasn't given you a lot of rest this season but it hasn't been you know without good reason it's it's led to good things how have you uh, enjoyed playing under under Chris this season who is probably one of if not the most uh, successful managers in Victorian football after after the weekend
2: Yeah working under CT it's a pleasure um he gives us a lot of freedom to to go out and do what we we want to do and to be able to win games um he's obviously got his ways as well but I think it's all the work during the week that we all put in, um, including CT and the coaching staff um, that gets the results on the weekend.
0: Well, Ollie, just in terms of the the run over this period of time, I mean, you guys hit that bit of a tough patch where the injuries started to pile up. You fell out of the top two, but you were you persisted. You've gone through to the semis of the Australia Cup. You've gone all the way through in the championship to, to win it as well. Uh, take us about, tell us about the belief in the squad right now because it is as high as probably it probably would ever be going into a game that is another huge contest tonight against MacArthur. But is that something you felt just with every passing win, that belief and that confidence in the group has, has started to rise?
2: Yeah, definitely. Like, like I said before, um, those cup games where we were, you know, we, we thought we had the win and we've conceded one late in the 90th and then we've got to do an extra half an hour and then, we were all knackered, but we just felt we could get the job done. And then when you get those those wins, I mean, the next game just seems like, you know, why can't we do it again kind of thing. And I feel like that's, that's the way we're going to go into tonight as well is why not? Why can't we do it?
1: Mm. I mean, is there, throughout that whole process, I think a lot of people who have been from the outside looking in and, Maybe even a few people internally at the back of their mind have been thinking, these guys are surely going to uh, fall over and just disintegrate at some point the amount of football that they've, they've all had to play. Has there been sort of one specific moment or talk or something that you've done that has you know, been the factor in encouraging you all to kind of push on? Is there something that sort of sticks out and what's convinced you all guys to be able to pick yourself back up off the canvas and churn through as much football and successfully as you have?
2: I mean, it's just that, I don't know, kind of the team that we've got together, you all want to do it for each other. And then obviously the success that comes with it, you know, winning a title, not much, you know, you don't feel like that any other time. So when you win something, it it definitely sticks in your mind and their memories forever. So I feel like we've got nothing to lose. So why can't we just go out and give it a good crack? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean,
0: tonight, MacArthur's next. I mean, you've taken down one A-League men's opposition and now another one is around the corner. And um, I mean, compared to Sydney FC in terms of, you know, the the sample size of games under Steve Corica is very different to the sample size of games under Dwight York for MacArthur. What have you taken out of, I guess, you know, the tape that you've seen from MacArthur and what kind of game can you expect tonight?
2: I mean, they've got some absolutely quality players in their side and, we know they're always going to be a threat going forward, but we just want to play our own game and see how we can go, you know, come out pretty early and then hopefully give them a really good game, just like we did with Sydney. I mean, we've been talking a lot
1: about star-studded midfielders throughout throughout this chat, a lot of them that you play alongside, but... There'll be a few you're coming up against tonight as well, the likes of a uh, uh, Ulysses De Villa, uh, Danny De Silva, some pretty high-quality attacking midfielders who, you know, part of your job is going to be to try and stop them. Do you, have you thought much about the kind of players you're going to be taking on or are you focusing more on, on your own game and playing to your strength?
2: Uh, I think it'd be pretty naive not to to think about the players that they've got. Obviously, De Villa, uh, we all know his you know, class, come to the A-League and absolutely tore it to shreds um, at Wellington and, So he's going to do the same thing tonight at MacArthur. So we've just got to make sure that we're on our toes and doing all of our individual jobs. And hopefully, yeah, get a good hold of him.
1: You haven't been this squad stunned or shocked by the magnitude of your achievements this season just yet. Do you think this would be the point if you're able to beat MacArthur, join Sydney United in the Australia Cup final, make it an all-NPL affair? Would that be the moment in which you guys finally go, wow, I, I, I can't? believe this? Or is it, does the does the Australia Cup silverware have to come before that happens?
2: Nah, I think you can definitely um, pinch yourself if a result were to go our way tonight, yeah. just because we've had so many games, you know, after the last um, Sydney game, we had a, a semi-final against Heidelberg, or I can't remember who it was, three days later. So we didn't have much time to process it all. Whereas now I think if uh, we'd have a posit- positive result tonight, um, we'd have a bit of time to really understand uh, what we've just done.
0: Ollie, how are you feeling, I guess, physically at the moment after this run of games? I mean, you're coming towards the end of the year. I'm sure that you and your teammates, as much as this has been a fun run, you're looking forward to having a bit of a break this off-season. I guess, uh, is that something are you're you looking at getting away this off-season or are you looking at sticking around? What, what's the plan for yourself?
2: Um, yeah, I'm going to... Go to New Zealand for a little trip with my girlfriend um, in a couple of weeks after the season. But yeah, I'm kind of I'm feeling alright. But I know, you know at, towards you know this time of season, no one's really 100. percent It's kind of just getting through what you can. But I'm feeling alright, doing recovery well, so can't complain. Well, Nick's
1: interested in your sort of uh, off season ambitions, I guess. What you plan to do with uh, with the free time? I I want to maybe as a final question ask you a bit about perhaps some more of your on-field ambitions. Obviously, to, to get that um, monkey off the back, I guess, for Oakley to win their first championship is a, a massive, massive achievement in its own right to have upset Sydney. But throughout that all, you've had uh, a really, really stellar season, maybe flown under the radar at times because of the the attacking exploits of, of those further afield, but have been, you know, for, for many people, I've spoken to a really important part of all of that. Um, you know, a few people have said, I don't know why this guy doesn't have a league interest, all that sort of stuff. That, that's not me. That's other people. Um, I won't, I won't name them, but you're only 23. You have obviously um, been through sort of youth set up in, in Europe before is potentially having another crack at professional football. Something that, that crosses your mind.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, it's still on my mind and I still train pretty hard for that. Um, but yeah, you just got to kind of tackle what's in front of you for now. And um yeah, at the moment that's that's Oakley. So obviously off-season will be good, but I've got to stay in tip-top shape just so I know um, I can come back next year and hopefully lift the standard again because I know um, my standard was lifted this year but a little bit inconsistent at times. So hopefully I can lift that and get even better.
1: Does the fact that, you know, one of your your very close teammates in in Joe Knowles has been able to sort of make that jump after a couple of stellar seasons give give someone like yourself a, a bit of hope as well?
2: Yeah, 100%. I feel um, they're looking at NPL a lot more now and Knowles, he deserves that. He's been class for the past two, three seasons he's been here. So we obviously wish him all the best and we know he'll do very, very well. Well, Ollie, thank you so much for
0: joining us. Good luck again for tonight. Congratulations for last Sunday. It seems like it's, it's one thing after another, but it's a very exciting time to be around the Oakley Cannons. And uh, good luck and hope for maybe another cup set tonight and maybe another competitive game just around the corner. But thank you for coming on
2: tonight. Thanks a lot, boys. Thanks for having me. Love the show.
1: There you have it. There we go. Sounds the victorious Oliver Kubelet.
0: Yep, victorious Oliver Kubelet. We've had enough time to even have a wardrobe change in here during it, Lockie. We're from the pre-record, go to the the white hoodie. We are fast. Yes, we are. We are. We're, we are running out of time because we need to get to Jack Edwards Reserve yes. just happens. quickly. Uh, F and newsbreaker. Formerly F and I newsbreaker
1: Josh, Josh parish. parish Pistol uh, Parish. That's yeah, what we call him. That scoops, fast with the news. Yeah, pistol Parish scoops Parish a Parish bomb. The woge of the NPL. Yes, that's what they uh, call him. Well, dropped not the, even of the NPL, just the I, NPL Victoria. I, I would not say
0: he dropped a nuke on the uh, on M, on NPL Victoria land, but he dropped a the J bomb. It was a, a J bomb, and he, uh, he announced yesterday that. His mail is that Ben Khan formerly of Olympic FC who recently departed over in yes. Queensland having made much- the
1: grand final with uh, yes. with Olympic. He's been a sensational
0: coach up in Queensland for quite some time. Is making the move to join Melbourne
1: Knights He's Trotting the uh, the very re- the very uh, yes. familiar path from Queensland, from Queensland to the, well, you know down how, to Victoria. You know how there's
0: like the silk road over in like Asia. It's almost a rite of passage. What do, what what would this road be called from Queensland to Victoria? Would it be the not the silk road? Like what's a
1: a decent material is it like the wattle road I was going to say the, the 4x highway but I think that's a bit sort of yeah. that's a bit base. you know it's a bit, bit kind of trivial well,
0: let's let's have a think about that yeah, another be. Ben Khan, big signing for Melbourne Knights if you're going to bring in a, a big coach to replace Stephen Bebich and someone who's been there and done that Ben Khan does tick all the boxes
1: yeah I mean he is one of in in the whole country one of the highest mm. profile coaches outside of of the A league that you you could bring in and I really, yeah, I really like this from Knights. I think a, a lot of their struggles over the past couple of sort of, well, pretty much the whole NPL era is has been about you know how do we bring elements of this club um, forward, yeah, um, while also remembering what is you know great about our history and what we have. And off the field, they do an, an awesome job of that. But I think sometimes the the football has maybe. Uh, particularly under previous coaches, um, been a little bit reductive, a little bit transitional. Yep. And I think there's a recognition of the need to tactically move forward, if for no other reason than just to get better results than they have been getting yep. in the NPL, in a national second division, potentially as well. I think Steve Bebich was the first step in that mm-hmm. come, sort of coming away from, uh, you know, the the sort of um, downturn of the Mickey Choliner era, which, ha- you know, he left in acrimonious circumstances and, that the football there wasn't um, – it wasn't – I don't want to say great or anything, but it was like that sort of transitional, um, yeah, yeah. not necessarily super functional in possession kind of approach. Bevich was a little bit more of a step along mm-hmm. from that. He did want to get things happening in possession. He did want to car- want Knights to be an aggressive, ball-dominant side, as they should be a club of their stature. But I think – in terms of creating cut-through when he had possession, that was kind of the bit where yeah. he fell down and the defence was a bit leaky. But there were some green shoots from this season. Yeah. Ben Khan is the next step. Like yeah. I have spent a bit of time for my work watching uh, NPL Queensland yeah. and when Ben Khan's sides play their their sort of triangle passing, their positional rotations, I've got to be honest, and mm. NPL Victoria has a outside-in sort of reputation of being quite a transitional league. Uh, I spoke to Matt Smith who was the Brisbane city head coach and he said he saw Queensland as being a bit more technical. I I wasn't sure if I totally agreed, but then when I watched uh, Olympic play, I was honestly blown Blown away at the level of, um, adaptability, the intricacy of the actual play Mm -hmm. that uh, Olympic were displaying. And if, if, Again, if Ben Khan can be the man who allows Knights to take that next jump and finally delivers them sustained or even just any success that they haven't really had since 2014 when they won the Doherty Cup and then made the finals in 2015, that's a, a huge tick. And I guess the, the other question is, as we've also been hearing, this is not confirmed, but what kind of players come in? Ben Khan has got a big reputation that's going to help him Lua players, the combination of a coach with a big reputation, a pedigree of of success, and a club with a A big reputation and a pedigree of success, that is going to be. And uh, that makes them instantly uh, a destination club again. Absolutely.
0: And it could, you know, we spoke about the the competition in NPL Victoria in terms of the quality of teams and, you know, the gap between the the, the top seven sides, if you include Avondale Mm. missing the finals, and Dandy Thunder, who were close in eighth. You've now got a ninth team that enters the fray in terms of making that top nine. Yeah. We're still going see, to see,
1: we're still, we're still going to see who comes in to support Ben Khan in a playing perspective, who goes out and the jury is let's, let's be honest. It, it, it still remains open as to whether Ben Khan is able to replicate his success, whether his football is as successful in Victoria as it has been in Queensland. Of course, it is a more t- I think mm-hmm. it is fair to say that Victoria is predominantly a transitional league. The best teams have been mm-hmm. transition sides this season. So does that different way of playing football fit in? Does it get results, even yeah. if it looks pretty? I mean, Avondale have been a pretty side without didn't getting a lot ones, of the yeah. desired results. So that'll be really yeah. fascinating. I think that's one of the... It's- the perfect appointment, I think, for Knights.
0: Let's wait and see what happens in the weeks to come. Uh, one little bit of news before we go. Kruni Razov at St. Albans departing last week. Another coach from that, I guess, embattled area of the table. That's the part of Kroni Razov has done a sensational job with St. Albans over the years, getting them up the leagues and into MPL Victoria, maintaining their status as an NPL Victoria side. But the results did start to falter a little bit towards the end of last season. They did stay up. But a big job for whoever takes over at St. Albans next season. Obviously we do know Savas Patikas departing from Altona as well, meaning that there are some vacancies now in that MPL Victoria space yeah. at now Bentley. At of course if Ben Khan's going to Melbourne Knights, that's one that's filled, and at Altona and St. Albans. So we are here in Samal of who could be coming at Altona. Nothing confirmed yet. Nothing. nothing but at St. Albans. at St Albans, we haven't heard anything just yet. Which yeah. we will bring if, if we can get an Definitely answer. We'll be we'll getting you our
1: know. Ears, to the, ears to the ground. Yeah, it's. I think Krunygarzov, as you said, he's had a, a great tenure. He's a big part of the reason that they've actually made it into the top flight. Maybe there was just a mutual recognition here that we've kind of reach the end of, of of what we can do. You know, managers do have a shelf life. Perhaps this mm. is as far as Kurniarsov can take them. And while he's done a great job, it's time for maybe someone else to try and help St Albans make that next step. Just quickly, Nick, um, you were talking earlier about you know if South Melbourne don't want to add something to their game and they want to just find someone <laughs> who can replace Harrison Sawyer, they could do worse than Zander Guy. I reckon. Yeah, Zander he, Guy he pulled or- inside the top ten in the in the in the gold medal, which yeah. raised the. Um, you know, a lot of people's interest. I think Z- he's, when he, when St. Albans have been getting results, he's been a big part of it. And he is a tall striker that can bring others into play. Maybe a bit more versatile got, than Sawyer. I've got three I like names. It. I like Three it.
0: names. Xander Guy, Luka Ninkovic, and or Max Batchelor.
1: I like Luka Ninkovic. Yeah. Ninkovic is an interesting one. I mean, if
0: they want to go left field. I mean, say.
1: top of the MPL 2 to top of the MPL one's a big, it's a big jump for Max Batchelor. But, he was bloody good last he season. Was. So he was, so I mean,
0: he's one of the best strikers that didn't get promoted. If you're not including, well, I think he finished second in the Golden Boot or third, second, no, second, yeah, behind Mikulich. behind Mikalich, and of course, Terence Carter was third, and Dennis Menelao was also up there. Yeah. But uh, I think he does fit the bill. I but, think but he's worth, worthy
1: of making the jump. Yeah. I, I think so. I don't know. I think they could do worse than Zan. the guy, I think would be the a great fact that he does their board. does, does but, some yeah. of South <laughs> Melbourne's graphics as well. That can only he's already uh, got
0: his foot in the door. Can't um, Anyways, Lockie, we've got to go. We've got to get to Jack Edwards' Reserve. So it's time for us to say goodbye here on the MPL Victoria pod. Alas, we are still going. We're not saying goodbye just yet for the entire year of 2022. Next few weeks, we've got some content planned for some reviews of the season. Uh, we'll dive into as many of the teams as possible from all three tiers. Uh, we'll give, you know, as much of the news as we get in terms of new coaching appointments, transfers, whatever else. So don't worry. Your MPL Victoria fix will not be going anywhere. We are staying on the air. Don't you worry. We have plenty of ticker here in the FNR studios. Uh, miss any of today's show. Head over to the Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, or go back and listen to the live stream on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, wherever you might get it. That's uh, It'll all be up and all be ready to go. But for myself, Nick Tabano and Lockie Flanagan. Lockie, before we go, we'll locally do it, get it done tonight. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I reckon why we're not? getting an all-NPL grand final. So, yeah, if we do get that as well, we'll also touch base on that. All MPL Grand Final, which could potentially take place place if they win. So, if you're down there tonight, it's at uh, Jack Edwards Reserve. Come say good day. We'll be there Do, as well. Yeah. So, for myself, Nick Tabano, and Lockie Flanagan, it's goodbye.